Hello and welcome to another bubble, the Western bubble. My name is Dario and I'm here with Balder. If you don't know who we are, please listen to our regular episodes as this is one of our extra episodes where we pick items from the news that simply scream Western bubble. In these segments, we give some quick comments on how we interpret these events. This is the third extra episode we're recording in a row. Um, apologies for that, uh, for the listeners who really like our regular episodes. Uh, however, it is the final week of my thesis uh, writing process. So uh, please uh, forgive us for that. But we know that the listeners uh, are really enjoying the extra episodes as well. And as a little treat, at least hopefully, uh, next week we will be recording a regular episode, uh, this time on the topic of my thesis on Saudi Arabia. However, today we will be talking about Joe Biden and Tucker Carlson. Um, Balder, why are we talking about such an interesting combination of people today that you wouldn't really group together otherwise? Hello, Dario. First of all, I'm looking forward to talking about your thesis next week. That should be fascinating. And this week, Biden and Carlson, well, uh, Joe Biden, an octogenarian, has announced that he will run for president again, president of the United States, which is, of course, incredibly relevant for not just the country, but the whole world. And there's a lot to unpack there with Joe Biden as a representative of this establishment that is dying out. And at the same time, Tucker Carlson, hugely influential media figure, anchor for Fox News, very much a representative of 21st century discourse and sort of shout, shouty um, narratives that are increasingly popular and that in many ways form the basis of the Trump presidency. So there's a nice conflict there between um, the old establishment announcing that it uh, is going to run again and the new extreme wing of uh, politics that is actually in a kind of existential crisis. So we'll unpack that today. I think you're letting Biden off uh, a little bit too easy here by calling him an octogenarian uh, because so he's... 80 years old, that's what that means. However, if he manages to secure a second term for president, and if he actually finishes that second term, he will be 86. Um, and I think that th those numbers have to be mentioned uh, to put this into perspective here. And when it comes to Tucker Carlson, um, you already said that he is hugely influential and very popular. I mean, he's that with an average viewership of 3 million people uh, during his primetime Fox News show, which was the biggest audience in, in cable television at that time. And he was only let go from Fox News after text messages of him and some of his colleagues were leaked, uh, kind of talking about doubts about Fox News going into the Trump narrative on the 2020 election being stolen or fraudulent, and then Dominion, a voting machine company taking them to court and these text messages being published. And I think that, yeah, these two people here create a very nice thesis for this episode. Um, so let's start with, with Joe Biden here. As you already said, he is embodying the establishment clinging to power. But let's look at his track record um, on a domestic level and on a foreign policy level, because both are hugely important for the Western bubble. I, um, two weeks ago, actually said... I think Biden would go down as one of the better presidents in U.S. history if he were to not run for a second term because he would uh, basically have healed the United States a little bit after Trump and he has this three really big trillion dollar programs um, boosting domestic production and infrastructure and everything. 
But you had a, bit, a little bit of a different opinion on it, that he is not doing amazing, but he's simply doing okay. Yeah, well, you know me, I'm, I'm a negative Nelly with these kinds of things anyway. Um, I like to criticize left, right and center, I guess. Um, but I do believe that, of course, it is fair to point out positive things that have come out of the Biden presidency at the domestic level, especially at the foreign policy level. I struggle to find a lot of positive notes, but at a domestic level, the United States needed infrastructure uh, investment, and that's what he went for. He didn't get exactly what he wanted, which is impossible in American politics anyway, uh, but he got some stuff done. Um, the same with some social changes, even though obviously, which was not up to him, he couldn't stop the Roe v. Wade fiasco and those kinds of issues, but that's not up to the president. Um, there, there has been some mild progress made at the domestic level. However, that feels in many ways like a failure because mild progress is not enough in these times. Um, there is a need for radical rethinking about where we as a society want to go. And just spending a bit more on infrastructure or alleviating a little bit of poverty or implementing a little bit of social change is just not enough. It's not enough at a content level for society to basically defend itself against all the challenges and dangers that are coming our way in the foreseeable future. But it's also not enough at a political level because it's not visible enough for Biden to claim tremendous success to those people who are very angry, who are very upset, and who, who go with people like Donald Trump, who vote for the anti-establishment candidate. It, it is just not impressive enough to be uh, happy about. And the only thing that allowed even Biden to get where he got over the past couple of years is that the Republican Party has been torn apart. The Republican Party has been in a civil war ever since Trump. And uh, the sort of the, well, I shouldn't call it moderates, but the less extreme wing of the Republican Party has moved uh, towards uh, the Democratic Party, sort of integrating sort of the, the, the left side of the Republican Party into the right side of the Democratic Party. And that has given Biden a political foundation to implement the policies that he wants to implement. That is just a short term reality because of the imploding Republican Party. In the long term, it's just not going to be enough to put uh, Biden on a pedestal. So you're saying it's not enough to solve some of these existential, no, not existential, existential problems uh, that we've discussed in previous episodes, such as income inequality, the problems with the environment and the erosion of institutions. Yes, exactly. And this is where the underlying problem with Biden becomes very visible because these issues that we are facing right now are the result of let's say, 40 years of neoliberal establishment thinking. A neoliberal establishment on both the Democratic and the Republican side, but also in Europe on, you know, the center-left and center-right side of the political spectrum that has been pushing for this reasonable attitude, reasonable uh, air quotes I'm putting up here, but obviously on a podcast you don't see those, uh, reasonable approach to the world where as long as we're friendly and, and polite to each other and as long as we promote free trade and as long as we promote um, a business friendly environment then things are going to be fine that establishment those 40 years of establishment thinking has led us to a really precarious situation in 2023 
And Biden is very much a product of that establishment. Biden is that establishment. He became an influential senator in uh, during the Cold War. In the 1990s and in the early 21st century, he was a major proponent of a lot of the policies that led to the problems we're facing today. And for him to row back a little bit is just too little too late. He is just not the right person to do this. I think that this is a great transition to the foreign policy level, because as you mentioned, Biden is a child of the Cold War. So obviously he's, I don't want to say he's really happy, but he's embracing the United States role in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. However, he's also starting a, I also don't like these terms, but a new Cold War uh, with China by finding another enemy that everyone in the United States can rally behind so that there is some form of unity. And that is very easy to explain from his personal psychological perspective. He probably, I'm, I'm not sure, but I suspect that he genuinely believes it. He genuinely believes the United States to be this knight in shiny armor protecting freedoms around the world. That's how he grew up, how he became aware of the global environment by thinking about the Soviet Union versus the United States and very much being part of this narrative, of course, of the free world fighting the evil empire, to use Reagan's description of the Soviet Union. And as a result, it is very comforting for him to now point his finger at China and do the same with China. Say, look, they are authoritarian. I understand they're not exactly the Soviet Union, but they are very similar in, in outlook. They're very similar in the danger they pose to the free world. They're aggressively trying to become more influential in, geopolitical, in geopolitics and in global institutions in the global south. We, as leaders of the free world, I, as leader of the free world, need to stop that. And that comforts him, I'm sure, at a personal level. It also seems to give the United States an identity for him, like the good guys. It's nice to have that identity. But it is a huge misrepresentation of reality. It is not how the world is functioning at the moment. It is not what China is. It definitely isn't what the United States is. China isn't this dark source of evil and the United States isn't this bright light shining goodness all over the world uh, and the rest of the world understands this unfortunately it seems that Biden doesn't and this is leading to problems on the foreign policy level huge problems and and bad policy making we've already been very critical of the way that uh, Ukraine is being dealt with but even if you just look at uh, global trade policy, the way the United States uh, deals with global institutions at the moment, the way the United States is sort of assuming that Europe is going to be there as a, as a vassal, to use the language we talked about last week, um, uh, on behalf of the United States, how... Um, at a, at a less visible level, uh, U.S. diplomats position themselves in the world. That, is, that tone is set by the White House, that tone is set by Joe Biden and his direct surroundings, and, and that is very problematic for the world. So we've described a set of problems um, on the domestic level, inequality, um, environmental problems, and on the foreign policy level, the United States portraying itself as the knight in shining armor. However, when we now move over to Tucker Carlson, he's not the counterpart to this. So he's not um, the other side portraying the opposite of this, but he's a symptom of these problems that have been created over the last 40 years. Yes. So th what you see is that the current 
reaction of society, um, as symbolized by people like Donald Trump and in, in, in Europe by right-wing populists as well, it, that those movements are a reaction against the failures of this neoliberal establishment. And this neoliberal establishment cannot get away with just saying, oh, well, look, they are extremists. Uh, we are the reasonable people. If you don't vote for us, but you vote for them, then you are an extremist as well. No, 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 that's too simple. Too many people have been hurt and too many people see the problems that have risen out of this neoliberal establishment. And so when Tucker Carlson, as a symptom, becomes very popular because he shouts a lot of nonsense. I mean, I would challenge anyone to watch 10 of his episodes and 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 defy me on this. Um, Tucker Carlson spouts a lot of nonsense, but that is hitting a nerve for a lot of people who feel that at least someone is talking back against that reasonable middle ground. And they're angry, they don't really know why they're angry, but they know that some of the responsibility lays with that center Democratic and center Republican Party. They know that things have gone horribly wrong, even if they don't understand what exactly. And they're lashing out at that establishment, at the Joe Bidens of this world, by listening to Tucker Carlson or, to, or by voting for Donald Trump. And I think what very well embodies then the spirit um, at least against these people who watch Tucker Carlson. Because instead of seeing them as a deeply hurt group within the country that has been suffering from neoliberal policies, Joe Biden comes out and his theme for his next campaign is freedom. And I think that's a very good example of how to not do it, is you have serious, serious problems in your country. And instead of you know, proposing solutions of how to solve these and maybe get these people back uh, away from the extremes. You portray them as enemies of, of freedom, enemies of the United States in that sense, and kind of saying that you, you are representing freedom in the world, not only in the United States, but also on the foreign policy level against the evil overlords from Russia and China. Yeah, and the, the problem with those kinds of conceptual messages, that kind of those slogans, is that first of all, the other side can easily fight you on that. They can they can just make up stuff of why you are anti-freedom or any that kind of thing. And it's very far away from the realities of day-to-day -day people. Um, of course, Americans pride themselves in their country being the land of the brave and the free and, and that kind of thing. And of course, freedom has a special connotation within US politics, obviously. But in the end, it is putting the emphasis on something conceptual rather than practical, rather than real, rather than the loss of jobs, rather than the loss of income, a decaying middle class, an environment that's going awry. Those practical things that, that people notice on a day-to-day -day basis are not going to be solved by having a campaign based on the slogan around freedom. It's just not how people will react properly to it. Now, having said that, um, Biden might very well win because, again, the Republican Party is not offering a clear alternative. I mean, if, if Trump is the alternative to, to Biden, well, then I think that Biden is in with a very good chance. Uh, so in many ways, the, the, the failure of the American establishment, the failure of the Democratic Party is being hidden by the even greater failure or civil war within the Republican Party. If the Republican Party had been only mildly competent, 
they would find it very easy to poke holes in the Biden strategy and the Biden record. And maybe propose a different candidate than Trump. And one of the names speculated is Tucker Carlson. So does he pro like pose a solution to the problems? Well, no, that definitely, I thought you were going to ask, does he make, has his, does he have a chance to win the elections? Um, he definitely doesn't offer any solutions to the problems. That's the problem with these populists. So they, they recognize the unease and the anger that exists, but they don't actually offer any, anything real um, that can work. Um, whether he can win or not, I'm staying away from that because I was convinced that Donald Trump wouldn't win in 2016. And yet he did. So I'm really bad at, at explaining U.S. politics. I certainly don't have my finger on the pulse of the American voter. That's for sure. Um, but uh, it, it is a sign of the times, right, that even people take that mildly seriously. The idea that someone like Trump or Tucker Carlson could even run for presidency says a lot about where we are. And it says a lot about this horrific, horrific failure of the establishment. That is it with today's extra episode on Joe Biden and Tucker Carlson, as in addition to our regular episodes. We will be grateful for your feedback to this format and questions that you can submit to thewesternbubble at gmail.com. Next Wednesday, we will be back with a regular episode, this time on the topic of my thesis, Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm.